Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Teresa Lynn Sidebotham with important safety questions to ask about any summer camp you're planning to send your child to. You want these people to be supporting your family's moral and religious values, not undermining them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At the very least, it should be neutral and they should not have a campaign to reprogram your children. That's Teresa Lynn Sidebotham next. It's the season many kids go off to a summer camp for times of fun and adventure. Certainly with any organization that works with kids, there are inherent risks. But today's guest says one way to minimize them is to ask good questions of the camp. My guest is attorney Teresa Lynn Sidebotham, founder of Telios Law and author of the article, 10 Things to Know About Summer Camp Safety. Teresa, first of all, you have an interesting background. Tell us about it and how it shaped who you are and your priorities. Well, I grew up in Indonesia. My parents were doing work with an unreached people group, and you know they're very strong people of faith. And from the time, I can't even remember a time where I didn't have a sense of God's presence and a love for Jesus and following him. And you know that's really informed my whole life. I met my husband at Wheaton College. He was Army ROTC, so we, you know, did a few years in military service. Our sons were born all over the place. The first was born in Panama, second was born in Virginia, that was military. Then we had a calling to go overseas ourselves to serve the Lord. And we were in Indonesia for seven years, where the youngest son was also born. Uh, back in the US, as the boys got older, I went back to law school. Uh, my husband, Bruce, stayed in ministry and actually ended up uh, retiring as an Army Reserve chaplain, so he continued to serve that way. Um, but as I got into law, the, the Lord really opened some doors, and I work mainly with ministries in the legal field. How did the Lord lead you into the legal profession from being a missionary in Indonesia. I mean, that's quite a shift. Well, it is. We we came back to the U.S. because of some needs that our kids had. And, you know, then I had been stay-at-home mom, done some homeschooling, of course, done some ministry work. But as I got older, I thought about, you know, what does the Lord want me to do next? And um, I was a little burned out on teaching after all the homeschooling, and I thought about social work, and I thought oh, that could get repetitive. So my brother actually said, hey, you'd be great at law. So I said, well, Lord, if you want me to go into law, you know, we're a ministry family, I need a full ride. And lo and behold, the University of Denver gave mm. me a full ride scholarship. I found out many years later that a psychologist in missions, uh, Dr. Brent Lindquist, had started praying that very summer that God would raise up an attorney who understood the issues around missions and had a heart for serving them. So I think that explains a lot. It, it certainly does. And your areas of specialization today, I think you mentioned, have very much to do with, with ministries. They do. You know, a lot of our work is with ministries. Uh, more of it is with faith-based businesses. But 
we try to help them carry out their calling from God. And so we work with uh, child abuse prevention, child safeguarding, responding well, investigations, actually all kinds of preventing misconduct and responding to misconduct. Might be sexual harassment, it might be spiritual abuse, uh, because we think that God is not just calling churches and ministries to reach the world, but to be an example of Christ's kingdom within themselves. And so uh, we use the law and related things to help ministries and businesses as well go that direction. Teresa, that, that is a great segue here, a great bridge to the discussion of 10 Things to Know About Summer Camp Safety. It's an article that you've written. Is this something, as we get into this, is this something that you think parents and grandparents typically consider? I think parents and grandparents are starting to think about these things, but they often don't know the questions to ask. And, you know, not just of camps, but of churches, of schools. And a lot of my work, of course, is working with the ministries on the other side. So we thought, hey, maybe the parents would like to know what questions to think about. Well, let's go through those. If you don't mind, I'd like to ask you about each one, and if you could please comment on them. By the way, my guest is Teresa Lynn Seidbotham, and she's the founder of Telios Law, and we're talking about 10 things to know about summer camp safety, uh, an article that she's written. The first one is, does the camp align with your moral and theological values? And maybe that is a question that is typically asked or not, but what, what does that look like, Teresa? So if you're a parent or a grandparent entrusting your precious children to someone else for a period of time, you know, a day, a week, a month, you want these people to be supporting your family's moral and religious values, not undermining them. Mm -hmm. At the very least, it should be neutral and they should not have a campaign to reprogram your children. But especially for a longer period of time, if the camp supports your family's values, uh, for instance, around following Jesus, you know, that can be a really powerful spiritual experience for your child that will encourage them. What about if the camp is non-religious, if it has no uh, faith, uh, faith-based aspect to it at all? If it has no faith-based aspect at all, you can figure that it's going to be following all of the current secular trends. And if you're okay with your child being exposed to all the current secular trends, fine. But if you're not, why would you do that? Well, second, does the camp screen and train all adult workers for child safety, both employees and volunteers? Are you talking about basically a background check? Well, a background check is a necessary start and a great start, but it's only a start. Um, in addition to background check, there should be in-depth reference checks. And then once you've checked on the person's character and background, there's the training because people don't automatically know how to handle child safety. Mm -hmm. And they should be trained not only how they should act themselves, but how to be capable guardians in that environment to make sure that everyone else is also acting the way that they should. Um, and the camp should be able to articulate how they do this. And, you know, you think that goes without saying, but you'd be surprised. I mean, one time I was taking a deposition of a, of a CPS worker. You know, these are the people who monitor and make sure families don't abuse children. And I said, well, your workers are always interacting with children. What's your child safety policy? And she said, what's a child safety policy? 
And I said, well, you know how churches and Boy Scouts and children's groups are supposed to have these guidelines for how to keep children safe? What's yours? And she said, well, we don't have one. <laughs> so don't just assume that everything's in place. And you would assume in that context with somebody in that profession, that would go without saying, but you can't assume anything perhaps you, these days. You can't. <laughs> well, it, uh, Teresa, uh, the third one is, does the camp have policies on appropriate behavior for adults toward children and between children? That, that's getting kind of specific. What, what does that look like? What would a parent look for if they ask that question? Well, again, this would be part of the camp's policies that they should be able and happy to produce. But there would be guidelines on, you know, when are adults alone with children, you know, never one-on-one, -on -one. Uh, what kind of touch is appropriate, you know, pat on the back is fine, you know, holding the hand of a small child, but, you know, not other types of touch from sitting on laps, for example, or, or, you know, hugs that are too close and they're not side hugs. So there should be these types of guidelines. Um, and this helps adults know the best way to interact with children, adults who are perfectly innocent and have great intentions. So they know, you know, what's a healthy boundary with a child and between children, because, Honestly, when I work with ministries now, we're seeing more problems between children than we are from adults to children. And so we really have to be aware of that these days. So so what kind of a policy would you look for there? I mean, it's a camp for children, a camp filled with children. I mean, what kind of a policy would you believe would effectively protect children? There should be guidelines around touch, adults to children and between children should be guidelines around conversations for both, you know, no filthy or inappropriate talk, no topics of discussion. You know, you're not going to be talking about the latest Tarantino movie with a nine-year-old or concepts that are too mature for smaller children, including most sexual concepts that shouldn't be discussed there. Mm-hmm. And the camp personnel should have some understanding of the standards, uh, you know, also conduct around where and when undressing takes place and, you know, hygiene and showering and being overnight. So clear boundaries are really important for keeping children safe. And for there to be clear boundaries, the camp should have done some thinking about it and put them in place. Well, we're talking about 10 things to know about summer camp safety, and my guest is attorney Teresa Lynn Sidebotham. And the fourth one that you write about in your article, Teresa, is are there conduct guidelines for inappropriate language and bullying? You talked uh, to some extent just a moment ago, of course, about the inappropriate language. What about uh, bullying? That's something that has become quite uh, well-known in, in recent years and something that at least in in the public schooling arena, they're trying to do a lot to try to prevent? They are trying to do a lot with it, not always with great success, unfortunately. And bullying has always been a problem, and it's probably more of a problem in an increasingly fractured culture where a lot of children are feeling, you know, at least emotionally abandoned. And so they either may become bullies or they may be very susceptible to being bullied. Um, if a child has 
disabilities or anything else that makes them stand out. They're much more prone to be bullied. And so, you know, the camp's got to watch out for it. I, th I think one metaphor would just say would be to say bullying is a lot like mold in the bathroom, especially in a humid climate. If you're not constantly combating it, or spraying it down with bleach, it's going to overrun. And the same in any setting with a lot of children, you've got to be watching out for it, modeling good behavior, holding kids accountable, teaching them good behavior. You know, even if it's as simple as explaining, that wasn't a kind remark. And when someone hears that, they'll feel hurt. Some children will be very repentant with that. Other children, maybe not. And you may have some more work to do with them. <laughs> Okay, so what would be a red flag for you? I mean, if, if a parent is asking specifically about that subject, about bullying, that uh, maybe, the, maybe they haven't addressed this very well. So you would hope that people who work professionally with children have a good understanding of child psychology. So they should be aware of the concept. They should be able to explain how they address it, you know, how they encourage children and model and, if necessary, discipline them. Um, but there should be a sense that they understand how to keep your child safe, or on the other hand, understand how to encourage your child to act appropriately. Number five uh, of these 10 things to know about summer camp safely, safety, are there safeguards around internet access, including for phones? And boy, does that sound like a, a difficult one to police? What would you suggest? What should parents look for, grandparents? Well, it is a difficult area to police. And, you know, I would start at home with this one because uh, now the controls that parents can put on phones are pretty sophisticated. My granddaughter, for instance, has a phone where she has about six people in her contact list and no internet access. Uh, she can do maps, she can text or call these six people, she can do notes, and that's about it. So um, other phones may, but iPhones definitely can let you establish that level of control. But the camp will also want to have controls on the internet so that you, you know the, the little darlings can't be accessing porn from the camp and showing it to all their friends. And you know maybe that's a controlled wireless, maybe there isn't any cell phone access, maybe they have some controls on when or how kids can use the phones. But they need to have thought through that. I mean, a ministry called me just the other day around a situation where one teenage boy was showing pornographic material to another teenage boy and trying to encourage him to engage in overt homosexual sexual touching, um, you know, right there in a Christian ministry site. And they dealt with it very proactively. But that's an example of the type of danger that's out there. So this is a live concern, and it, it does seem like one, like as you said, that needs to be carefully thought through, because of course kids need the phones if there's an emergency too to be to be able to use it quickly. I mean, you think about well, maybe they should take the phones away, but that's not going to work in a camp setting. There's nuances to this. Definitely. Well, well, Teresa, number six, does the camp have a good reporting and response policy for accidents? Or incidents, and of course, this is something you, you you would think this would be a given in in a camp setting. But w what would assure a parent that this is in fact the case? So we see this problem in camps, in 
churches and, and in workplaces too. The idea that, okay, you've got great policies, no bullying, no sexual harassment, no other safety issues for children. But if there's a violation, then what happens? You know, people may not know who to go to or what to say. And, and this happens with adults in workplaces. So, you know, it's an issue with kids in camps. Mm -hmm. So the children should be taught that, you know, if you have anything that concerns you or frightens you or makes you upset, that you're not comfortable about, first you can talk to your camp counselor, you can go to, you know, a certain designated person on the camp staff, there, there need to be a couple of ways that they can talk about it, and preferably the person who's identified should be one of those warm, fuzzy, easy to talk to, you know, the kind of person I mean, where everybody can tell them everything and kids feel very comfortable. Because we got to encourage the reports. Otherwise, we don't find out. And we know with sex abuse, for example, many children don't report for years and years. Mm -hmm. So they actually need training and help to be encouraged to talk about the things that scare them. Okay. And in terms of accidents and those kind of things, um, it, it, it's all part of the same process. It, it is. And I think if we help children understand that reporting a scary incident is the same as reporting an accident where you fell down and hurt yourself, you know, then we can destigmatize it and encourage it. Well, number seven, what age-appropriate guidelines and limitations are in place? This is a question to be asked of a prospective summer camp in terms of child activities or where they can go. This is this sounds a little bit sophisticated, but uh, very important. I think to put it in context, if you think about, you know, in your home, your guidelines for what your six-year-old can do or where they can go are different from the guidelines for your 16-year-old. It's different what they can watch. It's different what they can use in the kitchen. And it should be similar at a camp. So probably no camp is going to put a six-year-old in a raft in a class four rapids. I mean, the, the professional guides won't <laughs> let you do that to your 12 or 13. Right. So the camps are probably pretty good on physical safety. Mm -hmm. But what about, you know, limiting areas of the camp where kids can go? You know, can they go into the kitchen? Who's allowed to use the rec room? Well, if it's the teenagers, mostly, you probably don't want the little kids in there at the same time. Um, who's allowed to use the girls' restroom to ask what is nowadays a really complicated question? Mm -hmm. And so the camp will want to guide children's activities so that at all times they're well supervised, that they're in a good line of sight with the adults supervising them, they're not wandering off into areas that could be dangerous either physically or morally. And uh, number eight, the eighth question, uh, links directly, uh, and of course they're, they all log it flows logically, these 10 questions, but how are children lodged and appropriately supervised at night? Yeah, and as any parent knows, nighttime is a time when kids can get into a lot of trouble. So um, are the cabins broken out by age? That's important because younger children can definitely be a target of all kinds of inappropriate behavior from older children. Are they broken apart by gender so that there's appropriate privacy, modesty, and you know, showering, changing, sleeping? 
Um, and then having broken them apart, you know, is there supervision so that the boys are not allowed into the girls' cabins after dark and, and vice versa? So the cabin, the place where the kids are sleeping, needs to be a safe space, and that's going to take a certain amount of proper supervision and security. In number nine, th this is something that is a, certainly a given, but it's one of these questions, extremely important. Does the camp gather appropriate information from parents for emergency contact, health issues, and medical care? And this would be for, you know, God forbid there is that emergency situation. You know, can the camp call 911? Can they authorize emergency medical care? Can they reach the parents? Do they know that the child has a certain type of health issue that puts them in greater danger? Nor are they on top of the medications? And most of the the staying away camps are pretty good at this. Mm -hmm. I think where parents need to be especially careful is, you know, the day camps, the vacation Bible schools, they might not need as much information, but they should have enough basic information so that if there's a life-threatening injury during the day, the kids can get taken care of while the parents are on their way there. Well, I appreciate you making that uh, clarification that obviously when people think about camp, you're, you're thinking about, typically people are thinking about, what, a week, overnight, cabins, that kind of thing. But could be in the context of just a day, a vacation Bible school kind of thing, too. Not, not all these would necessarily apply, but many of them would. And a lot of the camps where your smaller children might be going might be the shorter-term experiences, too. Well, Teresa, number 10, what is the policy around transporting children in cars or other vehicles? If you could give some definition to that. Yeah, so this is where things shift a little bit. You know, most of us are used to running around our kids, maybe other kids with them. But in the camp setting, uh, first, our rule that no adult should be alone with the child. So, you know, that needs to be structured appropriately. But who's driving the car? It needs to be a qualified driver. Depending on the size of the vehicle, it might need to be extra qualifications for the driver you know, for some of these larger vehicles. And uh, the camp also should have appropriate insurance in place and you know guidelines around how the drivers act. Like the drivers, whatever their rule is in alcohol, generally the drivers should not have had any alcohol the day they're driving or be on any medications that might affect them. So the camp needs to have thought through that type of thing as well. And you also mentioned uh, no adult should be alone with a child in a car as well. Exactly. And you would be amazed at how many abuse reports we get sometimes years later where an adult was driving a child alone and made some kind of inappropriate advance to them. So that, and, and for the adult's protection too, because if you're alone with a child, you never know who's going to say what later that might not be true. Well, Teresa Lynn Seidbotham, my guest today, she is an attorney and the founder of Telios Law. We've been talking about th 10 things to know about summer camp safety. And Teresa, I can't help but uh, to ask that uh, some listening to this are going to say these are obviously excellent points, excellent questions, but it sounds so daunting. Can't I just trust the recommendation of my good friend or my fellow believer at church? They, they've had a great experience at this church. I trust this person. It depends on why you're trusting the person. So, 
if your friend is a you know a research nerd who went and asked the camp a million questions and gathered their policies and information and is able to report to you you know i did all this background work then sure by all means trust them otherwise what you're trusting is these are nice people and i liked them and and i'm sure they are but children can get hurt in a context where nice and kind people have not taken enough precautions and if the camp leadership is not being wise no matter how nice and kind and spiritual they are your your child still could be harmed so trust but verify um and i also want to add this is not intended to give you a spirit of fear and say you know i'm never going to let my child go to camp or have any experiences outside the home that'll damage the kid in some other ways you know this is a about a path of wisdom you know being careful we're living in a hostile world do your homework but then once you've done it you know ask the lord to set angels to guard your child and send them off for a great time would you say that all 10 of these questions need to be answered well you know i think it's a dialogue and maybe that will help the camp to grow and develop as well and you've got to evaluate for your own child you know, if you think the bullying policy is not really well developed, but you have a very steady, stable child who doesn't either tend to get bullied or bully others, you know, you might be able to give that a pass. But some children who are more fragile and vulnerable, you want to dot every I and cross every T. So, um, and again, you know, this this isn't, it's not about rules and regulations. It's about being wise and using good judgment. You always hear it's more critical now than ever. We think of when we were children that uh, some of these things were not even thought of, but maybe they should have been. Or is it more critical today than it has been? It's true in the past it wasn't thought of, and a lot of stuff happened that mm -hmm. shouldn't have because of that. It's also true that camps and other ministries that have great child safeguarding policies in place have a very low incidence of child harm. It's absolutely worthwhile doing it. And uh, one great resource is the Evangelical Council for Abuse Prevention and their website. But I think it's also true that the culture is disintegrating, that there's, there's an effort to teach children things their parents don't want them to know. Uh, families have fragmented, porn is rampant. And so we're living in a culture where we can't assume the culture is going along with our values. And so there I think it's changed. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, attorney Teresa Lynn Sidebotham, founder of Teleos Law and author of 10 Things to Know About Summer Camp Safety. You can read the article by going to christianpost.com. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Carlos Whitaker with some unique thoughts on loving God and loving people. Maybe, Lord, I do need to adjust some things in my heart. Maybe I do need to adjust some ways in which I look at people, and maybe I've started pointing fingers in ways that you would not want me to tell somebody how wrong they are, but instead tell somebody how much they are loved by you. Maybe we just need a little recalibration. That's tomorrow at this same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.